Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your words be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your words be shown. Amen. Today's readings come from a number of places in the New Testament relating to baptism. From Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, I baptize with water those of you who have changed your hearts and lives. The one who is coming after me is stronger than I am. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. From Matthew 28, verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. From Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 4, Therefore we were buried together with him through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in the newness of life. From 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, or slave or free, and we all were given one spirit to drink. And finally, from the Diatike, Didache, sorry. Concerning baptism, baptize in this way. Having reviewed all of these things, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in running water. But if you do not have access to running water, baptize in other water. And if you are not able to baptize with cold water, then baptize with warm water. For if you possess neither, but if you, but if you possess neither, pour water on the head three times, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And before the baptism, the baptizer should fast beforehand. And the one being baptized, and any others who are able Call upon the one being baptized to fast beforehand for one or two days. Here ends the reading. <laughs> and I have the wrong sermon topic on the slide, of course. Today is just a day full of technical difficulties. I apologize um, to folks. Uh, let me... <laughs> changed on the fly. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Baptism. So, <laughs> my story today is that I was baptized in 1996 while I was in high school. I was uh, either a freshman or a, or a sophomore in high school. I don't remember. Uh, actually, I think maybe a bit it was between, it was the summer between freshman and sophomore year. And, um, I was baptized because I was uh, dating somebody and attending their church, and um, they convinced me that it was the thing to do, <laughs> and so I did it. And I remember at the time, I didn't really think a whole lot of it. I was, you know, 16, 15, 15, and, um, you know, I had not been raised in the church, and I didn't really know 
much about baptism. Um, there hadn't been like a baptism class or anything before this. But uh, I agreed to get baptized and I remember my mom was there and, and you know she had been raised uh, Roman Catholic and uh, she took the baptism as a much bigger deal than I, I did, which is interesting. And uh, she was very, very moved and where she cried after I got baptized. When uh, my daughter was born, uh, we were not attending a Christian church. Um, and shortly after that, we were attending a, a Unitarian Universalist church. And so when my, when my daughter was about, she must have been five or six years old, I guess, she, um, she had a dedication ceremony, but not a baptism. And still, um, she's not baptized, uh, as it is. Um, for reasons that I want to talk about in my in my sermon today, actually. So baptism, you know, last week we talked about uh, the Eucharist, the communion service. We talked about um, the Lord's Supper and why it's important. And there are there are two two uh, rituals in the Christian faith that are called sacraments by uh, basically all Christian groups, regardless of what tradition they come from. And those are baptism and communion, baptism and, and the Eucharist. And for the most part, Christian uh, denominations and churches all agree on the importance of these two rituals uh, in the life of the church. Now, last week we talked about the Lord's Supper and why I think the Lord's Supper is important, even as a universalist. Um, even when I think when I think that the the it's not required for salvation to take the Eucharist, why I still think it's important to do it as a, as just as a person of faith. And likewise, I wanted to talk this week about why I think baptism is, baptism is important. And baptism is really tricky for an online congregation. Uh, baptism is, it, you know, the Lord's uh, Supper is, is also tricky, but you can do it yourself. You can do it, um, you know, with us uh, remotely, and at least you can take part in the in the, the ritual, but baptism really requires another person. Um, I mean, in situations where it's otherwise unavoidable, uh, in situations where um, uh, disability or, or um, some kind of medical condition or anything like that prevents one from uh, performing the regular baptism service, then of course, you know, other, other uh, methods are, are totally fine. But in the general sense, in the general sense, it re generally requires a second person. Um, we heard uh, several readings today. Uh, the first one was from Matthew, and it's uh, the the person speaking is John the Baptist, and he was he was out in uh, the wilderness in the Jordan by the Jordan Jordan River, baptizing people who came to him for the forgiveness of sins. And this is really where the first place in the New Testament where we hear about baptism. And John is telling people that he's baptizing with water, but that the one that follows him will baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. And then later when Jesus comes, uh, John at first refuses to baptize Jesus. He says, you know, I, I have no right to baptize you. You should be baptizing me. But Jesus says, well, do it anyway. <laughs> do it anyway. Um, and uh, John baptizes him. And, and this baptism is the beginning of Jesus's ministry. It, it marks the 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 point where Jesus' ministry begins 
where where um, uh, kind of the story of, of Jesus begins. Because we don't get much information in the Gospels between his birth uh, event and his presentation in the temple. And when he's about 33 years old or so um, and shows up at the Jordan River with John the Baptist. We don't, we don't get much in between. So this baptism is really the beginning of, of the story of his, his ministry. The next reading is from um, the end of Matthew, the very end. Uh, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, and uh, various events that, that occur after that, Jesus says to the, to the disciples, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this happens right before uh, Jesus' uh, ascension into heaven. The third reading was from uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. And here he's, he's explaining the importance of baptism and why it's important. He says, Therefore we were buried together with him, meaning Jesus, through baptism into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too could walk in the newness of life. And again, in his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul makes another uh, point about why baptism is important. He says, we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, uh, and we are all given one spirit to drink. So for Paul, and, and indeed for the early church, baptism was very important because it did, it did two things. One, it allowed the believers to share in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in a physical way. And two, it united the the community it was it was what made you part of the community and that everybody was equal whether you were jew or greek whether you were slave or free male or female rich or poor outcast or well known or well respected by the community it didn't matter everybody received the same baptism and the final reading i read from was from um the didache which is uh, an, a piece of early uh, Christian writing, probably from the first or maybe second century, uh, very early, probably written by the same community of people um, who, from out of whom uh, the the Gospel of, of Matthew comes, and uh, which is part of why the wording is so is so similar, I think. But it says concerning baptism, baptize in this way, having reviewed all of these things, because there was a, there was stuff listed before this, uh, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, in running water. So the importance, again, was running water. Here we're, we're reliving the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River. So running water is important. And here it seems that, that the early church really believed in, in what we would call full immersion baptism as opposed to sprinkling um, of water on something. But, but then right after that they say, but, but if you do not have access to running water, baptize in other water. And if you are not able to baptize with cold water, then baptize with warm water. But if you possess neither, then pour water on the head three times in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, they're saying, you know, find running water. But if you can't find running water, then a lake or a pond will do. And if you can't find cold water, you know, a hot spring is fine. Um, or a bath, a bathhouse bath or something. But if you can't find anything like that, then it's also okay just to pour water 
to sprinkle it over the head. And so here we actually see both forms of baptism. You know, one of the questions I, I get asked a lot, and certainly one of the questions I asked as a as a new believer was where where we got this thing with sprinkling water on the head when the, in the gospel it said, you know, it, the baptisms are always kind of in a in a river and in, in, you know, immersion. But here you go. Here's where it comes from. And and this uh, this book, the Didache, was so important to the early Christian community that it almost became part of the canon. It was almost part of the New Testament. Um, so it's it's certainly you know, it didn't make the cut uh, from that perspective, but it was very a very important document. And it's from the Didache, which uh, talks about uh, baptism and the Eucharist, um, that we get a really good idea of what uh, early worship was like um, in the Christian community, the early Christian community, and. Uh, the Didache, which was um, only discovered in, in full uh, in the 19th century, um, really affected the uh, Christian worship services of, of all denominations. And most of the communion services and baptism services we have now are based on, on this work. Uh, so it's definitely very, very important. So baptism was important because it was a physical representation of the death and, resur and resurrection of, G of Jesus Christ. And when you baptize in, in running water or in a full pool of water and you go under the water, there's a moment when you're under the water where you are between being unbaptized and being baptized. You know, you're not baptized when you go down. But are you baptized when you're in the water? Or are you baptized when you come out of the water? <laughs> you know, there's this, this idea. And there's this, you know, liminal space, the space between. And I think that's really important because that's, how Jesus' death and resurrection came to be also. Jesus died and then was, was dead for three days and descended into hell and uh, you know, freed, the, freed the folks in hell according to the, to the scriptures and then rose again on the third day. And likewise, we go into the water and then we're in the water for a short, very, hopefully a very short time and then we come out of the water living, uh, you know, reliving in a way the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then secondly, again, like I said, it makes us part of the community. It's a shared experience among the community. It's something that we all do, that we're all equal in. But in recent years, you know, baptism, actually not just in recent years, in the, in the past several hundred years, baptism has been an interesting topic of discussion among people. Um, by the time of the Protestant Revolution, uh, uh, Revolution Protestant Reformation uh, in, the, in the 15th century, the, the Roman Catholic Church had largely gone to sprinkling of water. So they would... Uh, they do this now too, often with with infants, where they sprinkle water over the head. And um, one of the things that the reformers, uh, that some of the reformers, were interested in in changing was this method of baptism, and they began um, doing immersion baptism. And there was a group among uh, the reformers, the early reformers, that uh, gained the the title, the name Anabaptist, and. Uh, these Anabaptists were um, were very uh, had a very strong opinion about baptism and how it should be done. You know, it, they didn't have the, the Didache, so they didn't see this <laughs> information about about sprinkling, I guess. But but they were really interested in in full immersion baptism. That, that full immersion baptism was the only way to, that it could be done, the only right way to do it, and that it needed to be a believer's baptism. That uh, you couldn't be baptized as an infant because you could not give your own consent. And that part of being baptized was about you agreeing to what was being, uh, 
what you, to what you were to the community that you were getting into to the to the vows that you were making as part of your baptism. And certainly, this agreement, this believers part, was was definitely part of baptism in the, in the early church. We know from the Didache that that baptism was often preceded by sometimes a year of study, um, and and uh, you know uh, worship and prayer and, and all this before um, one was baptized into the the community, maybe multiple years. Um, we know that it was a very a very important ritual. That was you know there was none of this. Um, you know, altar call on the day, come down and get baptized right now. That was not a thing uh, in the early church. Well, actually, I can't say that because it was a thing. We we see it in the in the <laughs> we do see that in the in the scriptures. We see people being suddenly called to be baptized and, and becoming baptized. So um, I take back what I say, but what I said, but um, but at least in in most of the Christian communities of the early church, there was a long process for it, and. Um, people really considered it and wanted to agree to it. So the Anabaptists really believed this, and they were called Anabaptists by other people. That was not their own title. And the reason was it meant baptized twice, baptized again. Because what they would do is, is they would um, have a second baptism if one had been baptized as an infant because they believed that that, that baptism didn't count. Um, and of course, why are people being baptized as infants in the first place? Well, the reason they were being baptized in infant, as infants in the first place is because of this belief in eternal torment in hell that had become so central uh, in the Roman Catholic Church at the time of the, of the Protestant Reformation and continued uh, within the Reformed churches and the Roman Catholic Church, you know, uh, even up to this day. This idea that if you're not baptized, then you're not forgiven of your sins. And so if you're, if you're not forgiven of your sins, if you're not baptized, then you die in the sin of Adam and what... Um, many churches call uh, original sin, the sin, the sinful state of your birth. And so if you die in, in the sinful state of your birth, if you, if you die in, um, in this state, then, then you go to hell. Um, you know, that's all there is to it, according to those folks. And so a baby needs to be baptized as soon as possible because, uh, otherwise they might go to hell if they, if they die, especially at a time when infant mortality was so much more, uh, so much higher than it is now, and, and, and babies, you know, died, and, and people died at young ages. It's important to get baptized early, but um, I think that as a Christian universalist, one of the things that that really um, means a lot to me is that, of course, I don't believe in eternal torment uh, and hell for all time, and I believe in God's justice and God's mercy, and and I believe that we will all um, have to face. The, the wrongs that we've committed in this life um, when we enter the next uh, and we will be uh, we will be uh, perfected and and corrected and all of this stuff in the in the afterlife for sure uh, but not forever not eternally not not tormented for all time because you know of, of one mistake in our life certainly not because we were born and died before we could be baptized Certainly not because we were we were born, um, we were born stillborn, dead, you know, during birth. All these things. Um, surely, you know, those those people won't be in hell for all eternity. So, this idea that we're all saved and that we will all eventually be saved, we're saved through the action of Jesus Christ that already occurred in the past, and so we're all saved, and, and God will eventually reconcile all of us. Um, reconcile all of us to God. 
that changes the way we think about baptism and the importance of it. And so then, it, you know, the, the urgency with which people feel they must be baptized is lessened in a very good way, I think, because it, people won't, don't just jump into it. We want people to really understand baptism. We want them to understand why they're doing it, why it's important. We want them to really feel that they understand what they're doing, what they're, what they're saying, what they're agreeing to. And so in that way, I think, uh, at least for myself, uh, I'm much more Anabaptist. You know, I think, I think that baptism should be believer's baptism. And I think it should be done, um, you know, at the earliest as a young adult, um, but, but even preferably in adulthood. And it should be done, uh, in, in my opinion, as an immersion in running water, if at all possible. But if not possible, as they said, in, in whatever you can do. You know, if, all, if, if, if the best you can do is, is sprinkling on the head, then that's perfectly fine. If the best you can do is sprinkling on your own head because, you know, you're, you can't see other people because for whatever reason, that's fine as well. And it doesn't need to be a minister who performs a baptism. Even, even the Roman Catholic Church agrees on this point. Um, they have a, a, a form of baptism for emergencies, they call it. Meaning if somebody is, is you know, dying, <clears throat> actively dying, and needs to be baptized, anybody can do it. And, uh, you know, certainly the baptism itself is, you know, one of the reasons why these phrases say, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, you know, it, it's not the, the minister who is performing the baptism who is... Um, who is uh, granting the benefits of baptism? <clears throat> you know, it's not a magical spell, and it's not—it's not, um, you know, something that that the minister is casting on you as as you perform baptism. It's about uh, first, first and foremost, the ritual and the metaphor and the the experience of doing it. But secondly, it's done in the name of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and so it's God who is who is giving you. Um, the the uh, the results who is performing the baptism if you want to put it that way who's actually you know who's actually um, bringing the Holy Spirit onto you and all of these things and so it's not the person who's doing it that's so important it's it's your own understanding and beliefs and and commitment to what is being done because really baptism is about agreeing to join the community agreeing to to be um, a follower of Jesus and, and to be um, someone who is really going to, to be the, the body of Christ in the world. And that means a lot of things to a lot of people, but it's important that you think about them before you agree uh, to be baptized. So with all that in mind, I hope you have a better understanding of kind of how I think of baptism personally, um, what I think matters in, in regards to baptism from a universalist perspective. And why it's important, you know. Some people say, "Well, if everyone's uh, if everyone's saved, then why why have baptism? Uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't forgive your sins. It doesn't, you know, if if you are ever everyone is saved anyway." Uh, and my personal opinion is, is you know, to, again, the same thing Paul said. You know, first of all, that it brings us all together as a as a, as a, a people. Secondly, that that it um, helps us experience. In a, in, a, in a bodily way, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And third, um, you know, again, just because Christian Universalists say that everyone will eventually be saved doesn't mean we don't believe in in judgment and um, 
and consequences. I mean, you know, uh, I am not a perfect person and I'm, I'm blessed that there's a loving God who forgives me for the things that I've done in my life. Um, because there certainly are lots of them that I, I am uh, always seeking forgiveness for. But, um, you know, baptism is a way for us to move forward in our faith, to, um, to ask God for forgiveness of those things that we've done, so that we can, you know, lessen the 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 judgment and and the um, the um, correction that we will need once once we reach the next life. I hope that you'll think about baptism this week. That you will consider, if you've already been baptized, consider your own baptism and what it was like for you, and what it was like for your family and and um, for your community that you were baptized in. If you haven't been baptized yet, I, I invite you to think about it and to think about what it means and to think about um, what it would mean to, to join our congregation and, and to, to be baptized. Um, amen.